Good morning. Good to see you all here this beautiful Sunday morning. And uh, for those who have been joining us on Wednesday evening, and I encourage you all to do so. We've had a great journey through First Samuel. We'll be looking this Wednesday night at chapter 27. And I uh, just encourage you to come on out for that. And uh, last Sunday after uh, first service, Pastor David Hawking kind of cornered me and said, hey, can you do something on Bible prophecy next Sunday morning to kind of round out the wonderful weekend uh, of prophecy teaching here at the church? And it takes me, you know, a long time to decide whether or not I want to teach on Bible prophecy. So I said, yes. So this morning we're going to not cover our PowerPoint verse for the month, not visit the book of Acts, but we are going to be in, are you ready? The book of Revelation, chapter 13. Revelation 13, we're going to look at verses 11 through 18. Now, obviously there are a myriad of amazing things for us to talk about concerning the future of planet Earth and the last day's scenario that we are now watching unveil right before our eyes. And that's something we need to both recognize and remember. And that is that the Bible told us that there are things that we should be looking for, that we will be seeing that indicate that the day is approaching and the hour of the rapture of the church is even at hand. Perhaps today. Somebody say amen. Now Hebrews reminds us in 10, 24 and 25 to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works and go to church a lot. It's a paraphrase of what I'm reading. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, building each other up and build each other up even more or so much the more as you see what? The day approaching. Now in the Olivet Discourse in Luke 21, 25 to 28, Jesus said, say Jesus said, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing from fear, failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Now, the church is told in Hebrews chapter 10 that we will see the day approaching. In the Olivet Discourse, we have the day more clearly identified and even defined for us as the day when God finishes his discipline of the nation of Israel and finally redeems and reconciles them unto himself. And this is preceded by a time where there are signs in the heavens and on earth, men's hearts failing because of the things that are happening during the tribulation. And the Jews are told to look up when these things begin for your redemption is nigh. Now, we have the redemption of these lowly bodies that we're looking forward to. That's going to happen instantaneously and permanently in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
But in the meantime, we can see the war of Ezekiel that I believe happens during the tribulation approaching because the coalition of nations that are going to invade Israel are not just in coalition together, but they are beginning to cooperate militarily together. We had a major piece of the prophetic puzzle fall into place just this last week. As a matter of fact, it is the last piece of the Ezekiel coalition that needed to come to pass. And it actually happened in January, but it was reported this past week by the Gatestone Institute. What I'm talking about, the headline reads, Russia moves in on the Sudan. In January, excuse me, Three months before the April 11th military coup in Sudan that ousted dictator Omar al-Bashir after 30 years of iron-fisted rule, Moscow reportedly signed a draft military agreement with Sudan to facilitate, now listen close, the entry of Russian and Sudanese warships to the ports of the two nations. According to Major General Al-Hadi Adam Musa, head of Sudan's Parliamentary Subcommittee of Defense, Security, and Public Order, this deal will pave a way for more agreements and greater cooperation and possibly a Russian base on the Red Sea. Can you think of another nation that borders the Red Sea? The very southern tip of Israel Obviously, in the crossing over from Egypt comes to mind. The Sudan was really the last piece of that scenario or that coalition group to fall into place. Libya long fell into place. Turkey has been in alliance with the nation of Russia. Obviously, the Iranians are in cooperation with them as well. Now, not only can we see the day approaching through the lens of this alliance, But we also can see that the protesting nations against the Ezekiel invasion are now being more friendly, if you will, towards Israel. They are called in the Ezekiel 38 and 39 scenario, Sheba and Dedan. And these are nations that occupy the Arab Gulf states led by, obviously, Saudi Arabia, but Bahrain and other uh, nations in that region will be in tow with them. And they are, because of a shared animosity toward Iran, beginning to move toward more uh, friendly relations, if you will, with the nation of Israel. Listen, globalism is on the lips of many world leaders today. And there's even a movement, sadly, around the world, but sadly in our country as well, that many among the masses are called for, calling for a utopian age, which can there, uh, in their minds at least, be brought in only through the means of socialism. Are there false claims of an anointing from God today? Absolutely. Are there wars and rumors of wars increasing today? Are there plagues in our world today? Is the earth quaking with unprecedented frequency and magnitude of seismic events happening all around the world today? These things can be seen, they can be measured, and therefore we see the day of the Lord is approaching via the promised and foretold 70th week of Daniel. 
Now, this morning I want to deal with something else that's going to reach its ultimate fulfillment during the tribulation, just like the things Jesus mentioned as he made his introductory statements of the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, 3-8. We're going to see these things happening clearly in our world today and thus tell us that the tribulation is near and thus remind us that we're not going to go through it. <laughs> you know, I know it's early, but that's really good news, even this early. We're not going through the tribulation, amen? Now, listen to what Paul said to the church at Thessaloniki that he visited for some three Sabbaths. He said in chapter 2 of his second letter in 9 through 12, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of who? Satan, here's what accompanies his rule. With all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in what? Do we have a world today that is in love with unrighteousness? and protecting, promoting, and even defending it? Now listen, the word translated delusion from the Greek can mean fraud or fraudulence. It can also mean deceit or error. Do we live in a time, there'll be lots of questions today, by the way. Do we live in a time where fraudulence is rampant? Do we live in an age filled with deception and error? Do we live at a time where most people will not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved? Yes. Therefore, I submit to you that the world is primed and ready for, and here's our title, the strong delusion. The strong delusion is not only happening in our day, but it's going to reach its zenith under the rule of the Antichrist. So, Let's consider what Paul wrote concerning the receptivity of the earth dwellers to the lawless one due to the fact that he is going to manufacture signs and false wonders. And the Greek word translated as lying, as we're told about the lying uh, signs, is um, actually the same word that we would use or translate as phony. And there are phony things that are going to be happening during the tribulation that are indeed going to deceive the world and cause people to follow after the Antichrist and believe the lie. Now, we also need to note that Paul says the strong delusion leads the earth dwellers into this lie. And I want to examine what I believe that lie actually is this morning. And it's a singular lie that causes the whole world to go after and bow before the Antichrist. And I think we'll find evidence today that the day is near, even at the door. Now, our text is going to introduce to us a member of what is often referred to as the unholy trinity. The unholy trinity is comprised of the dragon, who is who? Satan, the serpent of old. The Antichrist will be the second character, and then the false prophet, and it is the introduction into the narrative of the false prophet where we will find the lie that the world goes after. So, if you're ready, and if you're not, 
Stand and read with me, please. Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 8. And we will see that the strong delusion is at hand and already at work. 1311. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as not, as would not worship the beast to be killed, or the image of the beast, sorry. He causes all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six, six. Six. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to both gain clarity on what's coming and Lord, hopefully create an urgency to tell others the only way to avoid it. And that is through faith and trust in your son, our savior, as both savior and Lord. So God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, if there are some who are in the room or online who are not ready, that they would be ready for you to catch us away in a moment and twinkling of an eye by committing their souls to a faithful creator. We thank you for our time together. We ask your blessing on it now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm not going to bombard you with news stories this morning, but I am going to mention a few. And along the way, we're actually going to not make points of application as we usually do, but I'm going to pose to you three questions that we will all agree, at least I hope we will all agree, on the answer to. And all of them are telling us the future of planet Earth is to be under a strong satanic delusion. Now, the first thing we'll consider comes from verses 11 through the first portion of verse 14. But let me offer this for your consideration before we get any deeper. The time during which the beast and false prophet rise to power is the 70th week of Daniel prophesied concerning Daniel's people who are who? The Jews and Daniel's holy city, which is Jerusalem. Now, That tells us, since the church is absent in Revelation 6 through 19 and finally reappears in chapter 19, when Jesus comes back on the earth, he riding to make war with those who have warred against Jerusalem and we riding on white horses with him arrayed in linen garments. The church being absent tells us that the church is not going to participate during or be present in the 70th week of Daniel. I believe Revelation chapter 
4, 1 gives us a hint of the rapture as John the Beloved, a member of the church, is told by the King of Kings, come up here, and he is instantaneously translated into the eternal realm. Listen, we're going to be out of here before all this goes down. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now, what that tells us is that the interpretive mechanism that we have to use when studying Revelation 6 through 19 is to look at the text through the eyes and thinking of the Jews. Now, I say that for this reason. In Revelation 13, 1 to 4, the introductory introductory portion of our uh, very chapter, John says, I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the what? The sea having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a head a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power. Who's the dragon? Satan. He is empowered by Satan and the, uh, his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, so they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? Now again, this is a pseudo type of piece, a false piece that is brought in. And it is indeed also false miracles that lead to the worship of the beast or pseudo miracles, so to speak. Now, listen to the Jew who would happen to read this text or any other at the mention of the sea. They would think of one of two things. Instantly, literally, they would think of the Mediterranean. When you see a reference to the sea, it speaks to the Mediterranean. Now, figuratively, it would mean to the Jew, or allegorically, it would mean to the Jew, non-Jewish peoples, or the masses of the nation. Now, the second beast, we're told, comes up out of the land. And when you find the phrase, the land in Scripture, in the Old Testament, that is, they would assume that to mean the land of Israel, the land apportioned to the Jews by God. Now, that could mean that the first beast or Antichrist coming up out of the sea is a Gentile and could be that he is from the Mediterranean region or the Middle East. And the false prophet, the second beast coming up out of the land could mean that he is a Jew. And I say could because the only way to know for sure is to be present when it happens. And I don't plan on being here when either of these two rise to power. Now, I would say, however, that this interpretation seems likely because the fact is the Jews are never going to follow a Gentile spiritual leader. A lot of people say that the Antichrist is going to be a Muslim. No, he's not going to be a Muslim. God is going to destroy the uh, mechanism of jihadist Islam early in the tribulation period in the Ezekiel war scenario. He's not going to be a Muslim. The Jews would never follow a Muslim messiah. Somebody say something. Obviously, he's not going to be a Muslim. However, they would follow an international political leader who is a non-Jew who allows them to rebuild their temple that they have been absent of for almost 2,000 years. So 
the second beast is presented to us as being like a lamb. And that is wanting to point our minds because of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world to this man being an obvious religious leader. It's the same root word John the Baptist used to describe Jesus when he saw him in John 1.29. When he saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. However, this Lamb leads the world into sin. Now, the second beast plays the role of the spiritual leader, much like John the Baptist did, in that he points to another who is greater than himself. Just like John did with Jesus, stating he's not even worthy to untie a sandal. The false prophet is always pointing to the Antichrist, telling people to worship him. Now, how does he elevate the first beast? He performs great signs, including calling fire down like Elijah out of heaven. And he points to the fact that the first beast had a deadly wound that was healed, or there is a pseudo or mock resurrection of the Antichrist. His signs deceive those who dwell on the earth and causes them to worship the first beast. Now remember what we said when we read verse 4. They worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. So to worship the first beast is to worship the dragon. The dragon is who? Satan. Satan. So the world is going to be largely a group of Satan worshipers during the tribulation period. Another reason to want to miss the whole thing. Somebody say amen. Now, those who are deceived by signs worship Satan. And this leads us to the first question I want to ask of you this morning that tells us by our answer where the earth is headed is into a strong delusion. So let me ask you this. Are you ready? Just say yes. Are you ready? Do many people today follow signs and wonders and believe things that are obviously untrue? Do many people today follow signs and wonders and believe things obviously untrue? It's rampant. It's all around us today. And there are so many ways to frame this question and so much evidence to prove the strong delusion is upon us. We could spend hours and hours and hours citing stories that show how deceived many people are in our world today. Let me give you a few examples. One of them is socialism. Socialism is the idea that everybody should work for the government, all their money should go to the government, and every person should receive the same pay no matter what their job or career direction is. Listen, this is a model that has never worked in any country that has employed it. It has never brought the utopian type society that people say that it can bring. Yet, people deny and ignore the obvious historical evidence, and people deny and ignore the present evidence in countries like Venezuela. Are things going well in Venezuela? Well, let's see, there's no food, there's rioting, and there's a tyrant in control, and people are saying, yeah, that's what we want. And why would people do that? Because they are under a strong what? Delusion. Listen, in the church today, there are those who follow after and even pay money 
to attend events where there are reportedly miracles taking place, yet they keep filling these arenas, they keep giving their money, in some cases even their social security checks, to go attend an event, hear a man who can do nothing like what is recorded in the Bible. Listen. If you have the gift of healing, you don't need to rent an arena. You need to go to the local hospital until people rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Receive your sight in the name of Jesus. Listen, that's what miracles are. Miracles aren't, you know, I sense that somebody in the room uh, has something going on in their stomach. And and, uh, it's not going to happen anymore uh, because uh, God revealed that. That's not a miracle. A miracle is put those crutches down. Get out of that wheelchair. Now you can hear. Now your tongue is loose. Now you have received sight. Those things we can validate in Scripture. And there are people chasing after these people who are after not their healing, but are after lightening their load in their wallet and building theirs. Listen, people today believe children should be able to choose their gender. gender, And we have multiple states who are having a third category of a child that is born. It's a boy or a girl or it's unspecified. Listen, your chromosomal arrangement specified whether you're a boy or a girl. And those are the only two choices. And yet the world is saying it's not a genetic predetermination. It's a choice that a kindergartner ought to make. No, the choice that a kindergartner ought to make is if they ought to change their potato chips for a cupcake with one of their classmates. And that's the extent of the type of decisions they ought to be be making. Somebody say amen. Now listen, people today believe that when a woman becomes pregnant, it's not a baby. It's just a blob of tissue. Yet the fact is, if that supposed blob of tissue is left to its own uninterrupted, what comes out of a mother's womb? A blob of tissue? No, a living, breathing, valued human being created by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah. We live in a time where the delusion is so strong, what has been obvious to every generation before us, that when a woman is pregnant, she is carrying a child. You cannot go through history and find when one is a woman is obviously uh, pregnant, someone comes up and says, oh, how's the blob of tissue doing? Is it starting to kick and move? No, it's a baby, right? Now, just to move into the political arena just for a moment because we know all things are stable there. (laughs) Listen to this. Representative Ilan Omar, a Democrat from Minnesota, wrote a letter to the board of the USA powerlifting. Listen to what she said, and I quote, the myth that trans women, in other words, men who say they're women, have a direct competitive advantage is not supported by medical science. This is one of our Congress people who made this ridiculous statement. The myth that a man who says he's a woman doesn't have a direct competitive advantage in weightlifting is not supported by medical science. Well, let me say this. It's reported in the record books of every athletic event around the world that has ever been held. 
Do you see women's weightlifting records, records equal to those of men? Do you see the records in track between men and women to be on the same level? Men are faster than women. That's just the way it is. That's the way God designed them. Women can do things that men cannot do. I heard a couple of male amens, but ladies, are you in the house? Listen, this is ridiculous to say such a thing. And yet it's believed and supported by people at the highest level of government. And then what she said was even endorsed further by the National Women's Law Center when Sanu Chandy said, there's no research to support the claim that allowing trans athletes to play on teams that fit their gender identity will create a competitive imbalance. So in other words, when you have a pro football team lined up against an all-male pro football team, lined up against an all-female football team, it would be an equal score at the end of the game, right? No, hardly. Are there people today who believe things that are obviously not true? They're all around us. Are there people today who are infatuated with signs and wonders or the experiential who are actually uninterested in studying the word of God, which is the purpose of coming together at church? And the answer again is now, 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 16, Paul says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch at Iconium at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them, what? All the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and what? Imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom You have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Read it with me, please, out loud. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for Every good work. Listen, if there is one book in the history of mankind that has proven itself time and time again to be the only infallible and inspired word of God, it is the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Amen? Yet, it's treated like a fairy tale. It's treated like a book of myths and fables for weak-minded people who need such things. Well, listen, the opposite is actually true. The Bible is filled with facts. It is filled with truths that can be tested and proven. And yet in our world today, what is contrary to facts, what is contrary to nature, what is contrary to logic is treated as though it is provably true. I submit to you this morning, the strong delusion is well underway and Jesus is coming soon. Now, let's look at 14 and 15 one more time. We'll read uh, the whole of it that we alluded to the first part of 14. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and live. 
He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be what? To be killed. Now, there are those Bible interpreters who see the beast with the deadly wound that's healed as representing the revived Roman Empire. Now, the Bible clearly tells us in Daniel chapter 2, in one spot in particular, that there is going to be some form of the Roman Empire, the groups that occupy that geographic region today, that are going to rise to power and that the Antichrist or the lawless one is going to spring up from those groups. However, I don't believe that is the proper interpretation here because the deadly wound by the sword implies conquest or at least attack from an outside source. Rome was not conquered. Rome imploded. Rome self-imploded, if you will. It was never uh, conquered from without like the three empires that preceded it. That seems more likely that what is actually being presented here is a mock death resurrection scenario mimicking that of Jesus because that's, after all, that's what the enemy always seeks to do. Now, if you even think about what we've seen in history and know of what the Bible tells us concerning the past, present, and future, Israel essentially faded from the world scene and then has been revived in the last days. The Roman Empire essentially faded from the world scene and is going to be revived during the last days, specifically the tribulation. Jesus received a deadly wound, but his wounds brought us healing and salvation. The Antichrist has a false wound or a false death death and resurrection and his alleged deadly wound brings him global worship and attention. Now we're told in Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground. You who did what? Weaken the nations for you have said where in your heart. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the earth. And to that I say, ay, ay, ay. Satan has eye trouble. Amen. Now he mimics God and God's power, but he is not God's evil equal. He does not have omniscience. He does not have omnipresence. He does not have omnipotence or he is not all powerful. So he has to fake a resurrection. It has to be a pseudo resurrection, just like the pseudo miracles. And he has to use man to build an image as an object of worship. And because of the signs done in the sight of men by the false prophet, those who dwell on the earth follow his instructions They manufacture an icon, that's the Greek word for the image, of the beast who supposedly died and was resurrected. Verse 15 says he was granted the power, since he doesn't have it himself, to give breath to the beast or to make it look lifelike. And since Satan cannot create life, and man at initial creation was not alive until God breathed life into him, It is largely agreed upon that what this means is that because an image is made that simulates breathing or life, people are going to bow down and worship the image. Now, 
I've got a couple of pictures I grabbed off some news stories we covered on World News Briefing less than a year ago. And I want to show you two pictures of artificial intelligence wrapped in a human-type form that are already being used as anchor news broadcasters in China. This is already happening. This isn't something that's going on in the future. There's two pictures. I want you to look at this first picture. Does that look like a real human being? That's a robot. And he is giving the news. So obviously after they build a robot, they don't have to pay an anchor person. And recently they have also developed a female version. Does that look like a human being? Yes, they talk. You can tell when they actually move that they're uh, robotic. But just looking at the still picture, you can see how far robotics and uh, artificial intelligence has advanced. Now, listen, let me add this. Do we live in a world where much of life is experienced via some kind of screen, be it a TV screen, a tablet screen, or a telephone screen? Is our world more tuned in to virtual reality or actual reality? Virtual, obviously. Now, are video games becoming more and more realistic? Have holograms developed to the degree where you can't tell from a distance if it's an image or an actual person? And again, all the answers are in the affirmative this morning. So you can just say yes, even if you don't know. Yes. Now... Think about this from Isaiah 44, 9 and 10. Those who make an image, all of them are what? Useless. And their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who would form a God or mold an image that profits him nothing? Yet the same chapter goes on to say later in 14 to 17, speaking of the person who was posed in the question, he cuts down cedars for himself. He takes the cypress and the oak. He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine and the rain nourishes it. Then it shall be for a man to burn, or he will take some of it and warm himself. Yes, he kindles it and bakes bread. Indeed, he makes a what? A God and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With this half he eats meat. He roasts the roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Oh, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his carved image. He falls down before it and does what? Worships it, prays to it, and says, Deliver me, for you are what? My God. Listen. We don't worship a God we have to make. We worship the true and living God who made us. Does man have a tendency today to worship his own efforts and doings? Does man make things himself and then bow down before him today? Or before them, I should say. Now that leads to our second question that gives us our proximity to the things in the tribulation that is preceded by the rapture of the church. Listen, here's our second question you can answer out loud. Is man technologically capable of building an image that appears to be alive? Absolutely. Listen, in the Express from the United Kingdom, there was an article titled Rise of the Machines. And the byline reads, Artificial intelligence will be worshipped like a god. 
Humans will one day worship artificial intelligence as if it were a god because the technology will be vastly superior to us, experts have claimed. As former Uber and Google engineer Anthony Lewandowski creates a new religion based on AI, experts say it won't be long before the religion has a lot of followers as people tend to worship supreme understanding. The new religion, known as the Way of the Future, or WOTF, says humans should follow artificial intelligence as it can benefit us by following machines which are a billion times smarter than humans. Think of the stupidity of that statement. A human has to build a machine, and then it says the machine's smarter than me. It's like praying to a hunk of wood that you fashioned into some kind of image and saying, deliver me for you are my God. It's exactly the same thing. Somebody say amen. Experts such as Google's Ray Kurzweil have previously said 2029 will be the year of AI singularity, the point in time where computers exceed human intelligence. And Dr. Stephen Thaler, president and CEO of Imagination Engines and AI and a consciousness expert said, AI would provide the equivalent, listen, the equivalent, are you listening? AI would provide for the world the equivalent of a Messiah. This is what this group is saying. Now listen, the lie. Paul spoke of in 2 Thessalonians, the lie that he mentioned in Romans chapter 1 and the digression that is presented there is the abomination of desolation where the image of the beast is set up in the most holy place and the declaration that the beast is God is made and the whole world worships the beast. Yet we're told in Revelation 9, 20 to 21, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship what? Demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. In other words, things made by their own hands out of those materials. And they did not repent of their murders or sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Remember that the mentality the world has during the tribulation is brought into the tribulation. It's not caused by the tribulation. That's why people are in the tribulation in the first place. They did not receive the love of the truth. They would rather live and pursue unrighteousness. Are there millions of people today who believe things that are obviously not true? Absolutely. Are there those who follow after the experiential today and believe something is true because they felt or had an experience? Yes. Is man capable of building robotic forms of AI that mimic living human beings? Yes, we just saw that that was so. Listen, the strong delusion is well underway, and therefore Jesus is coming soon. Now, let's finish up uh, with 16 to 18. Now, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a what? A mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, we have all watched or heard the evolution of the potential candidates for the mark of the beast. I always think back uh, with a bit of a humorous look at some of the early Billy Graham 
films like A Thief in the Night where someone took the mark of the beast and it was like a massive barcode on their head because that was the technology of the day and it seemed to be a means that would be consistent with what uh, we see here in the Bible. Uh, One of the more recent candidates is a grain of rice size RFID chip, a radio frequency implant device. But I don't think that that's actually the proper interpretation, so to speak, either. Because the word mark actually means a stamp or a badge. It can mean an etching on a skin. It can also mean a brand, like you would brand cattle. It can also mean a tattoo, something that is on the surface of the skin. Here's what we know. It has to have connectivity to the system that allows the buying and selling, but also makes it possible. Uh, Here's another article from the Daily Mail in the U.K., The headline reads, forget Fitbit, tracking your fitness using a tattoo. Flexible circuits worn on the skin monitor heart rate, stress, and even reveal your bank balance. There's a startup company called Chaotic Moon in Texas who has designed wearables worn on the skin, biometric tattoos, monitor temperature, pressure, and heart levels. They can connect to smartphones using gadgets such such as Bluetooth. Card info could also be added to a chip for contactless payments. In other words, you just, instead of running your car through a machine, you just uh, bend over and scan your forehead or your hand across the scanner at the grocery store. How exciting that would be. These are called tech taps. They are biometric sensors, sensors lying directly on the skin, the article says, and they keep tabs of vital signs such as body temperature, blood pressure, heart rate, and stress levels. And by using a low-power Bluetooth chip built in, the tattoo can send collected information to a connected smartphone. Tech tabs could also be used for location tracking to make sure children don't stray too far at the park or in other uh, public places. Combining electrically conductive paint with LED light sensors and a mini controller, Chaotic Moon's tattoos are intended to become the next generation of wearable devices. Wearers can store such data as ID information, bank details on the tattooed chips in this way, tech tab could become a form of payment, similar to Apple Pay. Military uses would additionally be possible, such as keeping an eye on soldiers' conditions while at war. Now, reports say that the motherboard to run all this uh, says that they will be cheap and could be sold as a kit that would allow a buyer to build several tattoos to be placed on the skin. Now, I want you to think about this. There's not going to come a day on the earth where a man is going to rise to power and he says, I want you to take the mark of the beast that will condemn you to hell forever because I'm the Antichrist. That's not how this is going to be marketed. Think about all the things we just read. It's all positive. You put a mark on your hand, it's going to monitor your health. Notify somebody if you're in some type of physical dilemma or crisis. We're going to be able to track children. No more abductions, no more sex trafficking. And listen, fraud is rampant in our day. And if you add to that, we've just had all these people disappear, which, of course, you know, was a cosmic cleansing as the universe expelled those who were against the uh, globalism that we're trying to advance today. And so, therefore, no more identity theft. Positive, 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 positive. And that's what this is presented as. Now... One other thing to consider. 
in the past, Bible interpreters have assumed that there was going to need to be a single global currency for all of this to come to pass. Well, that's not so. You can take your chipped debit or credit card anywhere on the planet, and a machine will do the conversion factor between your home country and the country you are currently in. There does not need to be a single world currency. There just needs to be a system by which all currencies can be fed into and calculations made. Now, here's something else I thought was interesting, and you can do with this what you want, but... Do we live in a world where people are more comfortable today with what's called body art than they were a generation ago? People are much more comfortable with things on the surface of their skin that depict uh, part of their life, a picture of someone they love or miss or whatever. People are just more comfortable with things on the surface of the skin today. Now, do we live in the most tech-savvy society that has ever been on the face of the earth? So now you've got a tech-savvy society who's comfortable with things applied to the surface of their skin, and you've got really a welcome audience, at least in part, for devices to be put on your body that allow for buying and selling that can be monitored from a single source, and the scanners control your ability to purchase. Now, in Revelation 6, 9 through 11, we're told when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be what? Killed as they were, were completed. Now remember in verse 4, to worship the beast is to worship the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. Satan. So if you worship the beast, you're worshiping Satan. Now, if you refuse to worship Satan during the tribulation, you can't buy or sell. And if you're caught, you're going to be killed. Now in Revelation 20, verse 4, we're told, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls who had been what? beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for, the Latin is millianum, or a thousand years. Listen, this is the only place in the Bible where the word translated as beheaded is used. That means there's no variant interpretation. There's no other context to measure by. And that means exactly what it says. The word means to chop off the head. And that's how believers and followers of Christ who have the testimony of the word are going to die during the tribulation. There's three options for the mark that allow you to buy or sell. Two placements of the mark that are allowed, the right hand or forehead. They either have to bear the mark, tattoo or etching and the name or the number of the name of the beast. When you take the mark, you are consciously worshiping Satan. And contrary to what John MacArthur says, sorry, John, can't agree with you on this. You have sealed your faith. He said, the mark of the beast is not the unpardonable sin. Well, actually, yes, it is. Because it is a final decision to reject Christ and accept Antichrist and bow and submit to him. Now, I have to say, it says, he who has wisdom, let him calculate the number of the beast. I don't have that wisdom. I don't know who it is. I do know it's not Ronald Wilson Reagan, who was a candidate because all three of his names have six letters. 
Now, I do know it's not Caesar Nero. He's been dead for almost two millennia. Nor is it Henry Kissinger, even though he talks kind of creepy. I don't think it's him either. He's going to be revealed during the tribulation. Now, here's our final question for the day, and there'll be a bonus question behind it. So, listen. Do the mechanisms exist today that would make a globally monitored cashless society possible? Well, sure they do. Now, here's the bonus question. It goes hand in hand. Are those who are anti-globalism today viewed as bigoted haters and enemies of the advance of the new world order? Absolutely. May 19th, the International Free Press, German Chancellor Angela Merkel has admitted that the new world order is under threat due to the rise of President Trump and the trend of Trump-supporting populist leaders winning elections around the world in the past year. The German leader slammed the rejection of open borders and globalism and poured scorn on the patriotic movement currently sweeping across Europe, the U.S., Brazil, Australia, and other parts of the world. Angela Merkel, as chancellor of Germany, has embraced globalist ideology by opening the nation's borders, accepting millions of migrants. And Merkel is just the latest leader to criticize a protectionist, isolationist stance against the world or towards the world's problem. Such comments are obviously directed at U.S. President Donald Trump, who has adopted an unapologetic America first stance in his foreign and economic policies. In con- yes, amen. In contrast, Merkel said the answer to the world's problems was to find global solutions instead of a unilateral protectionist course of action. Merkel and many world leaders today are already under the strong delusion that man can solve man's problems. Listen, there will not be peace on earth until the Prince of Peace rules the earth. Amen? And the world is already following signs and wonders and believing things that are obviously not true. The capability to construct human-looking artificial intelligence robots is already here. The mechanisms by which a monitoring system and control system of buying and selling on a global scale is already in place. And those things mean one thing, and that is Jesus is coming soon. Amen. And Father, we are grateful that these things will not come upon us like a thief. They will not take us by surprise. You've told us that we can see the day approaching. You've told us we have no such appointment with your wrath. And therefore, through Christ, we can be found worthy to escape all that is coming upon the world. And Lord, as we see this strong delusion beginning to surface and every way in this fallen world today. We are still yet conscious that you are unwilling that any should perish. And whosoever will may come and be born again and receive forgiveness and eternal life through Christ our Lord. So help us, Lord, to be more urgent in our efforts to reach others. Help us to be more expectant in exhorting one another because we do see the day approaching. Help us to lift each other up when we're down. To fight the good fight of faith. 
shoulder to shoulder and to advance the cause of Christ and the glory of your great name through all we say and do. And thank you for all we've examined this morning and heard over the last two days. We give you praise, honor, and glory. And we say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.